many of you are following along in the news right now. And you're asking the question, is this it? Is this is this event that's taking place in Israel right now, the conflict between Hamas and Israel, is, is this going to lead up or is this a part of Armageddon? Some of you are following, and maybe some of you just don't know, like you're, it, you haven't studied in times or you've never been taught, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a little bit today. So for probably most of you, this is going to be something that you already know, but maybe some of you don't know this stuff. What's taking place right now with Hamas is different than previous skirmishes or outbreaks of violence and war inside of Israel. This one's a little bit different. And I've, you know, I've, I've done some deep dives here and there on the Internet, and I've talked to some friends that, that are you know, armchair authorities on eschatology. Eschatology is just the fancy word for the end times. And the feedback that I continued to get is like, there's something different about this outbreak. There's something different about it. And, and I think I understand what that might be. Um, there's, always been, there's always been tension between uh, the Jews and the Gentiles and the Jews and the Muslims, and, and they've always been surrounded by enemies. This is something that, is, that we all know, if you have any you know, concept of world history. But what makes this attack from Hamas a little bit different and why we need to pay attention to what's going on in the, in, in the American context as, as United States citizens, why, why this one needs to be sobering, why we need to, like, okay, let's, let's, let's be vigilant in prayer. Let's make sure that we are doing what we've been called to do is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As believers of Christ, that's what we were called to do, is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so this is what we need to do it. And again, this is why this one's different. If you're watching the news, you know that Hamas came in and they, they crossed the border from Gaza into Jewish territory and murdered hundreds of people. And it was systematic. They had a plan and they worked their plan. And the disturbing things that you've seen on the news, it's all it's all real. This isn't fake news. But they, you know, they they went into a music festival and they kidnapped and raped and tortured young teenage girls. They went into homes and they murdered and burned people in their own homes. And the shocking one which was just this doesn't make sense they beheaded babies and this isn't false news this isn't propaganda this is what really happened and it's really hard to get your head around that right like why in the world would anybody do that and then try to justify that that type of behavior is okay right it doesn't seem i mean beheading babies it seems like the most wicked thing you could possibly do uh raping torturing and murdering teenage girls that were at a, uh, a, a peace music festival is one of the most evil things that you can do. And what is disturbing is that organizations, governments, some of our leaders are not condemning the act. And that's what makes it different. Okay? So uh, we... Nations aren't condemning it. They won't condemn Hamas's actions. We have representatives in our own government that won't condemn 
Hamas's actions. That's why it's different. It's different because this is a clear communication to the world that there are people and nations that hate Israel and they're bent on its destruction. So there's no more politicking involved. There's no more splicing of the words. There's no more, you know, dancing around the language. There's no more, yeah, this was bad, but Palestine, okay, there, you're going to hear a lot of that. You're going to say, well, 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 but Palestine. Okay, they're not, they're not even saying that this action was bad. They're going straight to Palestine, but Palestine, meaning that these, this attack and specifically these atrocities that are way above the bar on, on uh, uh, humanity's offense against humanity, they're way above that. People are justifying Hamas's actions. Why? Because they hate Israel and they're bent on its destruction. Okay, so one of the one of the um, one of the things that we need to understand in end time philosophy and in the establishment of the state of Israel, we need to understand that Iran, the government of Iran which is a Muslim extremist-led government. The government of Iran does not acknowledge the existence of Israel, and they just come out and say it, that they want the, the full destruction of all Israelites. They want to they kill them all. Their government is saying that. Now, I want to I preface this. Thing. That is, that's an evil regime, and it is, it is a satanic evil regime. That regime is literally led by Satan. Now, let me clarify something here. Um, that's the government, not the people. Many of you know some Iranians, and they're beautiful people. Uh, the reason why you might know some Iranians is because they had to flee their own country because they were being persecuted. At one time, Iran was a beautiful country. There were freedoms involved. You could express yourself openly. You had, they had the ability of, of freedom of speech inside. And then a cultural revolution took place, and a caliphate was established, and the extremists took control of the country, and therefore Satan took control of that country. And they want to destroy Israel. Why this is important, Iran is, a, is a, it's up above Israel. Uh, the Gaza Strip is in the middle, right below Israel. So Israel is in between Gaza and Egypt, and Jordan's over here. And they're completely surrounded. And we know for a fact that Hamas is funded and equipped by Iran. Now, they didn't, as far as we know, it could come out, they didn't, orchestrate the strike they didn't orchestrate the attack there's you know they're not owning it yet so iran didn't say to hamas uh go now they didn't they didn't give the order right they're not owning up to that they didn't give the order but what they did do is they supplied everything that they needed including the training to go and do the atrocities that they just committed why that's important is that Iran and the global situation, uh, they're starting to get into bed with Russia and starting to get in bed with China, and all of these nations are, are kind of gathering around, and they are, in essence, ganging up on Israel. That's why these conversations, is, is this the beginning of Armageddon? Because it, 
it seems like they're choosing off Israel, like they're making a move. It feels like they're making a move. Does this attack, um, can I point to a specific place inside of the scriptures, inside of end times eschatology? Not quite yet. And all of the healthy guys are saying, uh, not quite yet, because um, there is no big giant mass movement. You know, the bear has not moved yet towards Israel. But what this is, what I do believe, is what Pastor read from Matthew 24, that these are the birth pains of things to come. These are the birth pains, because again, this one's different. There are entire communities that are not condemning Hamas's actions. So literally, they're, they're, they're choosing sides, and the end will justify the means, even if the means means that you behead children. And that's why we need to kind of wake up, because, again, this feels like the birth pains of things to come. You guys okay? Yeah. We, we, need, to, we need to sober up and wake up to the fact that this, is, this, this could be it. Now, I'm going to give a very quick survey snapshot of what the scriptures say, maybe a couple of different points on end times, on eschatology. Um, as Pastor read, Jesus himself said, no man knows the time or the day when Jesus is going to return. When Jesus uh, was giving this message to his disciples, he was, he was talking past tense, present tense, near future, and distant future. He was covering all of this in that beautiful chapter. It's worth a study. Like, you can read it, but you need to delve into it. You need to study it. You need to read Daniel. You need to read uh, Thessalonians. You need to get a, a good, healthy understanding of what Jesus is really saying here. We know, I, one of the beautiful things about our Bible is that it shouldn't exist. This is the strangest document in the entire world. Do you know that? Like, this thing should not exist. It's so bizarre. Because Jesus says that, you know, he's talking to the disciples, and they're saying, when is the end going to come? And Jesus is looking around, and he's referencing the temple, and he says, yeah, this, this is going to be a time when there's not going to be a single stone unturned here in the temple. And do you know what happens a few years later? The, the, the temple's destroyed. Like, like, that prophecy he nailed in that moment. And so Jesus was prophesying a, a near future event that took place that his disciples saw. Some of them. So some of them got murdered. John saw it. The destruction of the temple was such a huge, psychologically damaging event to the Jewish people. I mean, we think that the Twin Towers was falling was, was psychologically damaging to the American public. Like this one, comp- last week we talked about you know, the importance of identity and, and knowing who you are, and you probably shouldn't you know, tie up your entire identity into material things or into people or into institutions. Your identity needs to be completely centered on Christ. Um, the Jewish people, they had an identity intimately connected to the temple where they worshiped and they sacrificed to God. 
And that physical representation of their divine identity was destroyed. And Jesus nails it. And then he goes into talking about some other things. About the end of the world. About wars and rumors of wars and the sun being blotted out and the moon not shining and stars falling from heaven and earthquakes here and there. And he references the Antichrist, the abomination that causes desolation, which will be represented in the new temple, the third temple. They're going to build a temple, folks. Like, they're getting ready. They want to build it. The Jews want to build this thing. They're, they're, there's a passion. There's a drive. It is, it's probably, honestly, it's probably a divine impulse to build this building. Like, they want to, they want to, they want to build a new temple, and they want to worship the Lord there, and they want to sacrifice. They've got the Red Bull ready. They're ready to, they're ready to cut that thing's throat and burn it and throw some ashes around. They're, they're good to go. They're they're looking for an excuse. They're making up plans. They've got, they got plans to build it, build a new temple over here in this corner. And um, there's another Mount Zion. I don't have time to get into that. But maybe they'll, maybe they'll build it on this other Mount Zion. So they're making all the kinds of, you know, workarounds. But in my personal opinion, the temple belongs on the Temple Mount, where that dome of the rock is. Third most holy site in Islam. Look, if you're ever wondering what's going to happen if we're near the end times, uh, if the Dome of the Rock gets bulldozed, that will be your sign. <laughs> okay? I mean, and that, that will start World War III. And the Israelis aren't messing around, as you know. You're going to see some horrible images online. You're going to see some horrible uh, reactions um, as Israel responds, you're going to see some horrible things. Some of the horrible things that you will see uh, the army of Israel doing will be horrible. It's war. And just because you're an Israeli doesn't mean that you're a good person, by the way, or that you don't have a moral standard. They're going to do some horrible things. They're soldiers. You're going to see it. You're also going to see things that are false. You're going to see false news. You're going to see false narratives. You're going to see lies. It is true that Hamas and Hezbollah, ISIS, all of all the extreme Muslims, um, they do put their children on the front lines. They do do, and they do set up military bases inside of schools, inside of hospitals. And when these things take place, they got their cameras ready to go for the propaganda to continue to fuel the hatred for Israel. That's, that's their strategy. That's their plan. Just be aware that that's their plan. So you're going to see things that are like, oh, my gosh, am I, am I back on the wrong team? Um, no, you're never back on the wrong team when you're back in God's people. And, again, I'm not going to say that, that, that bad things won't happen, that they, they won't do bad things. But regardless, they're God's people. And we are called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is all a part of God's plan. So Jesus references the abomination that causes desolation inside the temple. What does that mean? The third temple is going to be built. Um, there will, 
come a day when the enemy of God is going to play his last hand on controlling the hearts and souls and minds of people. He is going to throw his Hail Mary and give it his last chance to kill God's plan and to kill God's people. He's going to set up a holy trifecta, uh, an abomination of our holy trinity. And in place of a holy trinity or in contrast to a holy trinity, he's going to set up an unholy trinity. The serpent, which is in comparison to God our Father. The serpent is obviously an evil force. It is, it is unnatural. The, the dragon is an unnatural animal. And it, it slithers, and it sneaks, and it kills, and it eats, and it hoards. And that's Satan. He hates everything that God does, and he hates you. The second member of this unholy trinity is the false prophet. This is going to be uh, Satan's PR man. He's going to say, hey, look at what's going on here. Look how bad Israel is. Look how hypocritical they are. Look at, all these, look at the church. Look how, uh, how awful the church is and how unjust they are. And it, like this, this false prophet is going to run his, his mouth, and then he is going to, he is going to proclaim, he's going to the false prophet is going to prophesy the coming and the power and uh, the ingenuity and the genius of the Antichrist. The prophet represents what the Holy Spirit is for us. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Yeah? So we have the Holy Spirit. We have somebody proclaiming in our being and in our midst. And when we get together, the Holy Spirit is here proclaiming the goodness of God and pointing us to Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit realigns our spirit back to what is good, back to what is true, to, the, to, to Jesus. And the prophet, the false prophet, kind of acting like what the Holy Spirit does, is going to align people's hearts to the Antichrist. And this Antichrist is going to come in and he's going, to, he's going to solve the world's problems. Is it a man? Quite possibly could be. He's not, I don't believe he's, he's on the field yet. As of yet. The Antichrist will have a connection relationship, even an intimacy with the Jewish people. He might even be a Jew. Early eschatology folks said that the Antichrist was going to come out of the European Union. That still could be the case. And the Antichrist is going to do what we all want done. We all want peace, right? We want peace in the Middle East, we want, to, we want to broker that Mideast peace deal. No one can do it. No one has been, ever been able to broker this peace deal. That is clearly obvious. Even Trump can't do it. 
That was a joke. He's the only one that laughs. <laughs> so, <laughs> no one can do it. But you know who can? The Antichrist. And he's going to broker this incredible peace deal. It's going to last three and a half years. And then he is going to completely stab Israel in the back and inside of this temple. He is going to mimic what takes place, what took place years after Jesus died. The Roman Empire came in and they destroyed Jerusalem and they destroyed uh, the temple. But before they did that, they, uh, they completely defiled the temple. And a pagan ruler came in and slaughtered a pig on the, t- on the temple, in the temple. An abomination that caused desolation. Slaughters this pig and then in short destroys the temple. Burns it to the ground. Like there's like, like nothing left. With the exception maybe of the wailing wall. Some question that even. So that act is going to be reenacted in the future tense. In the future coming of, of the age. And it might, quite, it might, it seems quite impossible. Okay, it's the Antichrist. Like, like if if Trump can't swing a peace deal, what makes you think that the anti that somebody else can? Like, like even somebody from the EU. How can how like human beings are so skeptical of leaders, right? Like even our best leaders. Uh, eventually, we've all turned on them. We've turned on every single president that we've ever elected. We've turned on every king that we've ever coronated. Like, like we're like it's a bit of our nature to challenge authority. That's just that's just human nature. This is what we do. Like we have never, we have never, humanity has never put its trust in any single leader. Yeah, do, do you guys agree with that? We've never trusted it. There's always been division. We have never, the nation has never got behind one president. Our nation has always been split. I mean, almost down the middle. We've we've never been in agreement with who our leader should be. And, you know, from the day of George Washington until now, there's always some knucklehead that says, that's not my president. And we could all probably say that right now. But... (laughs) But there's going to come a day... When the world's going to say, oh, this guy's our guy. He's good looking. He's charismatic. He's smart. He brokered this peace deal. He is solving all of the world's problems. Could, could you imagine that? Could you imagine one individual that could solve all of our problems? Like, I'd vote for him. Like, if he could, if he, you know, if he said, hey, I got a campaign promise for you. I'm going to solve all of your problems, everybody's problem. I'm going to make everything just, you know, everybody's going to be okay. Everybody's going to be equal. We're going to have peace. And, and uh, oh, yeah, and by the way, I, I'm not corrupt. I have no agenda. I have no ties to big pharma. I've got no, I've got no ties to lobbyists. There's nobody that's pulling my strings. There's no... There's no, I'm not being controlled by an outside force. I am completely impartial. Could you imagine if there was a leader that, that wasn't corrupt? That's impossible, by the way, I think. <laughs> um, could you imagine a leader that, um, that was not biased? 
that didn't have an agenda? Could you imagine a leader that wanted the best for everybody, but not at the expense of another group? So this is what the Antichrist is going to do. I've always thought that that was an impossible situation, and I'm going to give you my opinion of, of what I think and who I think the Antichrist is, because I think that it's playing in and it's just coming. It's it's just getting too close. And I've mentioned this once before, but I'm feeling it even more. There's not a single human being that can't do anything on the planet without some type of bias. So that question I ask is, you imagine a leader that wasn't compromised or corrupt. The world is asking that question, too. They're like, we're so sick and tired of all these corrupt politicians and leaders. We're tired of it. Because there's always some backdoor thing going on, and there's some oil company or some rich baron that's, that's feeding them money. That, that, so everybody's sick of it. Conversations are taking place. Be like, wouldn't it be amazing? Instead of having an actual president, we can have an AI president. Like, the, these conversations are happening now. And so this is what I believe. I'll hop off the pulpit, is my opinion. We're so, are, we're so integrated. You know how integrated you are into your phone. You can't live without your phone. Without you know, without, you're probably having withdrawals right now, aren't you? I can see you. I can see the nervousness, and you're reaching for your phone because you've gone you've gone 15 minutes without looking at it. Right? Your 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 body is just naturally gravitating towards it, and you don't even realize it. Right? It's like we don't realize how connected we are to our technology. And it's not going to happen. It's happening. Uh, Elon Musk is putting that phone in our heads. He's integrating us into technology right now. There's probably some dark secret lab somewhere where it's already happened. And I believe that there will be an individual, a leader, a good guy that is involved in this arena. And he's going to say, hey, I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jack into the matrix. And I'm going to solve all the world's problems. I'm going to become, I'm not going to become one with the universe. I'm going to become one with the metaverse. And with the power of an individual and AI, uh, flesh and technology, I believe that we will see an individual that can do everything that the Bible tells us that the Antichrist can do, meaning solve all of the world's problems. Supply chain issues, uh, international politics, like he's going to get everybody on the same page, uh, and they will have the computing power to solve all the world's problems. I think that that's what's going to happen. I mean, and it's feasible, right? When I was in high school, that wasn't feasible. This, it's feasible. It can happen. And the fascinating thing about the Antichrist in Revelation 14, I think it's 14, it might be 15, is it says, and then it will be an abomination that causes desolation. 
and then the Antichrist will be established. And then he's going to take a mortal wound. Yeah? The Antichrist, because he's, he's, he's the opposite of Jesus, the Antichrist is going to die. He's going to receive a mortal wound. And then he's going to resurrect. I've always had a problem with that, too, by the way. I've always had a problem with, like, why, 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 like the devil has never raised anybody from the dead. Only Jesus can raise people from the dead. Jesus is the, he is the Lord of life, not, not the devil. So that doesn't make any sense. But now it does. Because Elon Musk can receive that mortal wound and then be reborn into the internet. That makes sense? And so it says the Antichrist receives the mortal wound and dies. And then the people, uh, who's the people? We made an icon of the beast. And then breath was given to the icon of the beast, and it became alive and, became, and then began to blasphemy. What? Who created AI? We did. So that's what I think is going to happen. You guys okay? So that's how close we are. Now, um, I don't know when the temple is going to be built. I don't know when the Antichrist is going to enter, enter you know, when he's going to hop on the football field. That has not happened yet. So I guess you guys are okay, yeah? So you guys can party until, that, until you see that. Yeah? So, the end has, then we'll go, so we got some more. What you're telling me, Pastor Josh, is I got some more time. There's no temple and there's no Antichrist. I'm going to say something really important. I shouldn't say it. Yeah. So we think these ways, right? Oh, okay, I got this thing under control. I understand. I got some more time. Temple's not built. Antichrist isn't on the field yet. So oh, I can still live like hell, and I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness when it gets closer. Yeah? Um, I got more time. I can, con- I continue, I can continue just to, to, to slack off and not be consistent in my prayer life, not be consistent in, in the Word, not be consistent in fellowship. I don't have to be faithful because it's just not time yet. I've got some more time. Uh, do you guys remember what we just read? Do you remember what we just read? No man knows the day or the hour. We only get uh, signs. We only get seasons. We will know the season that we are in. And there's different versions of eschatology. Some people think that we'll see the Antichrist and we're going to go through all this stuff and then Jesus will come back and save the church. The other point of view is like, no, 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 God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to experience the day of wrath. And so Jesus can come back any time. In fact, that's what we just read, right? No man knows the day or the hour. He says we're going to have some signs, like the, the, the sun's going to be blotted out. Uh, what happened this week? What happened? There was a solar eclipse. What do they call it? The, the ring of fire? Oh, my. You know, what I, you know what? I missed it, actually. And I'm totally into this stuff. I'm totally, I, like, I love astronomy. I love eclipses. Uh, I once uh, tried to drive down to La Paz in my 66 Mustang just to see an eclipse. So, like, I'm totally into this. Maybe this is one of these signs. And I just like astronomy. I think it's cool. I completely missed it. I got too much going on in my life that I missed the eclipse. 
I'm a little too busy. I missed it. I mean, is that something that, that could be? I don't know. The point that Jesus is making, no man knows the day or the hour. Now, I kind of disagree with Jesus because, because I, I've, done a, I've done a deep dive into some eschatology stuff. I read the book of Revelation, and then I went through Daniel and, and Thessalonians, and I built a chart and a graph, and then um, I compared the 40 days and with some seven days, and I re- re- retracted seven days here, and then I, I uh, reconciled the Gregorian calendar with the Jewish calendar, and despite what Jesus says, I actually came up with the date that, that he's going to return. I was able to figure that out. And so, um, I know, the, the day, the day of the Lord's return, it's October, October 16th, 2023. My gosh, it's tomorrow. Um, wow. So if you wake up in the morning and you're still here, uh, give me a call. Just, just, just call me. And if I don't pick up, you will know that you've been left behind. <laughs> I, I never pick up. <laughs> Especially on Monday. Okay, just real quick, church business stuff. I'm not going to answer your calls on Monday. I'm not going to answer your text on Monday. I'm not going to answer your emails on Monday. I don't look on Monday. Monday's my Sabbath. So quit asking me questions on Monday. I know that my message was fascinating to you, and, and you, had to just, you had to ask, and you had to ask now before it left your mind. I'm not going to respond to you on Monday. Amen? Amen. Call me Tuesday. May 15th, 1948. Do you know what happened on that day? Israel was restored to a nation. They, they achieved their statehood. That's a big freaking deal. If anything should make you wonder if there is a God that exists in heaven... It's that miracle right there. If anything makes you question the authority of the Scriptures, that that end times prophecy is true, it's that miracle right there. That's a big one. Uh, Can somebody please do the math? What's 2023 minus 1948? 75 years. How long do most people live? They live to be about 75. So when Jesus is prophesying... (laughs) Uh, sorry. Oh, he's got some more time. He's got, um, he's got, oh, you're past. So uh, he's got the Zerubbabel blessing. So by the way, so yeah, he's got a special blessing for sure. You've been blessed to live longer. Anyway. 
side note. Do you know that Pastor Larry has survived seven of his elders, all of which have been younger than him by a lot? Let that roll around your head a little bit. There. All right. Zerubbabel blessing. We all need that. It's when God says, I declare more years upon your life. That's what we all want. That requires faithfulness, requires dedication unto the Lord, and being stubborn and not giving up. Amen. All right. May 15th, 1948. A huge miracle where an entire people group, they had been systematically dispersed since the Assyrians. So since 700 A.D., they got dispersed. They got dispersed again in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians. They get dispersed once again by the Romans in 60 A.D. Completely, again, completely destroyed Jerusalem and leveled the temple. Destroyed their symbolic identity. And then it's, they just get shattered all to the four corners of the world. That's when, the, when Jesus is talking about, he's, he's, he's prophesying this final diaspora. They call it the, the, the diaspora when the Jews get scattered all over the world. He said, they're, they're, you're going to be scattered to the four corners of the, of the earth. Hundreds of years later, God restores them. Did you know that there is no other ethnic people group or identity group that have been dispersed, that have, ever, that have ever been restored to their homeland? Ever, with the exception of the Jewish people. When Jesus is referring to... Um, Surely I say to you, this generation shall not pass until the coming, until my second coming. Okay? So, is he talking to the guys or is he talking to us? Clearly, he's talking to us. Israel has been established as a nation, and the generation that was alive during that establishment, uh, they haven't passed yet. Do you know what that means? That's a, that one's sobering, right? I'm getting chills just thinking about that. The generation that saw the restoration of Israel has not passed yet. There are still survivors of the Holocaust still alive. There are still survivors that saw the restoration that took place in those wars. They haven't passed yet, but time is ticking. Time is ticking. That ought to... That ought to wake us up. I believe, I believe that that generation that saw the restoration will see the second coming of the Lord. How does that make you feel? I got some excited. Anybody's pants scared off by now? All right. And Jesus, uh, Jesus in uh, Matthew 14, I believe, he's talking about um, the ten virgins. The ten virgins represent the bride of Christ, the church, us. Uh, 
the bridegroom comes and knocks upon the door. And there's five of them that aren't ready. The other five have invested into the kingdom. And they, had, they went out into the streets and they bought their oil to fill their lamps and they've trimmed their wicks. And they were ready to receive the bridegroom when he showed up. The other five were, were lazy and not consistent and apathetic and not devoted. They weren't devoted. They, they, the other five, they weren't prepared. And so when Jesus shows up, he takes the five, and the other five, well, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? Like they were totally bummed because they missed the party. They, they missed the bride. They missed their wedding day. And so this is what I think that, the script that Jesus is telling us. I think that he's telling us is that when he returns, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for that pre-trib rapture. I'm hoping for the any moment. I'm hoping for tomorrow. I don't want to go through the tribulation. I want to be taken up, right? So that's what I want. But what I want, I mean, God doesn't care what I want. He's just going to do what he's going to do. But the point is, and this is true, and this will apply, there will, when, when Jesus does return, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whenever he does return, what he's, what he's making clear is that only half of the church is going to be ready to receive him. The other half is going to be, they're going to be bummed. They, they've been sitting on their laurels. They, they did not prepare themselves. They did not prepare their family. They weren't ready. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready so that I can be restored. Hmm? I want to be ready so that I can be restored. Uh, maybe you're a backsliding Christian. Oh, you're in church today. You're not backsliders. But maybe you know people that are backsliding Christians. They know the Lord. Yeah? They, they were baptized. They were giving themselves to the Lord. But they're just not ready. They're just, they're just not taking it seriously. And they're going to have to go through some hard times. Like what was... What was read there. Like, there's going to be hard times like the world has never seen. And they're going to have to go through that. They're going to have to experience that. But do you know what God will do, even though they have to go through those hard times, is that he will restore them. Did you know? Okay, so obviously I'm Team Israel. I'm Team Israel. I like, I love them. I love Israel. I'm tempted to move to Israel. Like, I would, I would move there. Like, I, I love it. It's like Southern California with falafel. So good. You know what's heartbreaking is that less than 1% of Israelites are Christians or, or Messianic Christians. And we know this from Scripture is that when Jesus came to his own, his own did not receive him. And so they haven't. The, the Jewish people as a whole have not received the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But you know what the Word of God says? Is that someday they will. Someday they will bow to King Jesus. They will be restored. Amen? They're going to be restored. They're going re- to be restored to the true Messiah. 
all the other messiahs, all the other, you know, gurus and all the other false prophets, like we can't pay attention to those. And then if, even it, there's been rumblings that, um, that there was, I don't think it, like it fell apart, but like there was a, a messiah, that they, they found their messiah. He's not a messiah, he's a false prophet or a con man. They, 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 they don't have one. And even if they do, it's going to be a false one because there's only one messiah, and that's our Jesus. And they will be restored to that Jesus someday. Their eyes will open up, and they're going to be fulfilled in their identity in Christ and not their identity in a temple. Yeah? Because where's the temple of the Holy Spirit? Our bodies. We are. That's the old covenant. We're now in the new, and they're going to realize that. They're going to realize that they don't need a temple. They don't need to burn a heifer. They, they need to the sacrifice their hearts, and, and they'll do that. God's going to restore them. In fact, this whole idea of, of God restoring Israel back in 1948 and God restoring Israel back through the Cyrus decree in, um, in five, I forgot, I think around, no, oh, it's four something, 490 something. Um, after the Babylonians destroyed the second temple, um, they were restored. Cyrus brought them back. Uh, the Israelites were restored from the Egyptian uh, captivity, right, from Pharaoh. God has got this amazing ability and desire and wish to restore his people. So here's a, here, if you're feeling a little, like, like worried, okay, um, if you are fearful... If you're, if you're grasped with fear because of my message right now, uh, guess which virgin you are? You're not the one that has oil in her lamps. Like if fear is grasping you, you're, 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 that, you're that virgin. If you are feeling the sign of the times and the tension and is maybe some excitement, then you're the virgin that's ready. If God who loves the nation of Israel, who loves a a political entity, people called according to his name, if God loves that, and if he can restore, listen to me, if God can restore an entire nation, do you know that God can restore you too? Doesn't that feel good? That if you're worried and if you're fearful and if you're stressed, God can restore you. And maybe you don't feel worthy of restoration. That's okay, because God feels worthy to be a restorer. He can restore you and he can restore each and every situation. It's, his, it's in his nature. That's what he does. Again, we see it in Scripture over and over and over again. God restores, God restores, God restores. What does, re, what does restoration give you? It gives you absolutely everything. I'm a backsliding Christian. God can restore you. Uh, I doubted God. It's okay. God can restore you. I committed some really bad sins. 
It's okay. God can restore you. I looked at some things online that I should not have looked at. It's okay. God can restore you. He can restore your mind. I completely have wrecked my marriage. Did you know that God can restore your marriage? Like if God can restore this nation, and it, he can restore the land, because you know, if the land calls upon the name of the Lord, and if it repents, then he will restore the land. He can restore you. So you need to have this incredible hope deep down inside of you that it's going to be okay. If you don't feel like it's going to be okay, then you know which virgin you are. First John 5 is going to give you a pic- big picture of what God does. First John 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Amen? Let's be born of God. I know the world seems to be heavy and daunting and you're putting it on your shoulders, but if you're born of God, you overcome the world. You can, you can be restored. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. John 14.1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I mean, right? Like these are troubling times. It's clearly troubling times. But we have to have this, this spiritual discipline, the spiritual gift of self-control and to make sure that our hearts are not troubled. It can be troubling times, but our hearts should not be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Amen. Some of us have, uh, in our own personal life, we, we deal with loss. You've lost a loved one. You've lost finances. You've lost relationship. And that's hard. It's It's so easy to become disillusioned with life, disillusioned with yourself, disillusioned with God when you're dealing with loss, loss of of life, loss of health, you name it. Isaiah 61 says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. Everlasting joy will be yours. What a powerful promise. If you're dealing with loss, you've got to grasp onto this scripture. Okay, God's God's for me. He's not against me. And he says that I will receive a double portion if I am faithful. Uh, Job 42 says, after Job had prayed for his friends, and his friends were... uh, (laughs) His friends were a bunch of jerks. <laughs> so, after Job had prayed for his friends, who had been ridiculing him, who had been filling his mind with negativity, who saying, well, God must hate you. You must have sin in your life. They're telling him all these horrible things. And yet, Job prays for his friends. And the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Do you want that? I do. So let's just not give up on being faithful. First Peter 5 says, And the, the God of grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a while, 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. All right. Uh, Raise your hand if you've suffered a little. Raise your hand if you've suffered a lot. Raise your hand if you've never suffered at all. Is there anybody that hasn't suffered? Raise your hand. I'll take you out in the parking lot, and I'll, I'll, I'll make you suffer. I'll get you in a headlock. I'll give you a noogie. I'll make you suffer if you're one of those. You've got to suffer a little while, and, and maybe this is where you're at. Maybe this is where the world's at. It's going to suffer for a little while. But, again, I don't believe that we're going to experience the full wrath of God. Like, we, this, again, this is, could be birth pains. Uh, what did Jesus say? That we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be put to death. We're going to be ridiculed. Like, this is low-grade persecution stuff. We're not going to feel the wrath. So we're going to suffer a little bit. But he himself will restore us. He will make us strong, firm, and steadfast. The scripture is over here on the wall, Isaiah 40. Uh, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Yeah, do you feel sapped? Do you feel desperate? Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel like you don't have any energy to carry on? Do you, do you feel like, ah, like why bother? No, do you know what? For those who hope in the Lord, there's hope. It's, it's, it's conditional. You've got to have some hope. Who hope in the Lord, they will, reju- they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen? Okay. I, I want Granite Creek to be the type of community that is restorative. In fact, it is. I've seen it. I've lived it. But I want to be mindful of it. I've got to even check my own self because sometimes I think that people are beyond restoration. Do you have somebody in your life that's beyond restoration? Have you ever said to yourself, have you ever heard or have you ever declared these things out of your mouth, uh, Uncle Bob is never going to change? I got a yep. Because it's, it's, it's experience, right? And when we see somebody making the same mistakes over and over and over again, and you know, they're just kind of stuck on their ways, we have this cynical attitude that says, oh, they're just never going to change. In the context of, of ministry life, when we're working with people, um, I've had that same thought. Like, oh, this is, this is a bad situation. It's going to go from bad to worse. So these are, the, these are the lies that the enemy puts into my head that I begin to believe, right? So-and-so is never going to change. They're just going to go out and do it again. Those are illegal thoughts that we need to hold captive and make them obedient to Christ. Once again, if God can restore an entire nation, a, a world history miracle, he can restore anybody, even Uncle Bob. And so, in the area of leadership, in the expression of leadership inside of the church, I have to be, and you have to be, on the side of restoration of people. Never give up on somebody's soul. Never give up on sharing the faith. Never give up because you just might not realize it when God's going to break through, when there's going to be a change of heart. We have to believe that God can restore anybody in any relationship. God can restore your marriage. 
God can restore your finances. God can restore your health. You just have to have hope and receive that strength. Amen? All right. I kept you too long. Wow. It's his fault. It's all Pastor Larry's fault. Uh, Sophia, if I can have you come to the front. And I need somebody to grab me a communion, please. Uh, I'm sorry for going long. You guys okay? You're starving to death. Are you? Have you been persecuted by Pastor Josh? Starving. You're suffering for the Lord. Oh, the Raiders play at one. All right. We just got, I understand it. I understand we got this short attention span. We got this scrolling attention span, right? Can't go five seconds without scrolling to something else. I get it, and I'm sorry. You're just going to have to get over it sometimes. If this was the church in China, we would be here till 6 o'clock. If this was the church in Persia, in Iran, we would be here all day. And it would be a joy. Two more points. Maybe you're dealing with loss and you need something restored. Pastor Michael read this this morning. Mark 11. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. So if you need something restored, you need to ask God in prayer Believe that you're going to receive it, receive it, and then it will be restored. What an incredible promise. And then the point for communion. You remember the day that you were saved? You remember that day? For some, it was a logical decision, a rational choice. It's like, yeah, God seems to be real. And then there's miracles. And this Bible thing, is it's a weird book. It, it makes sense. And it shouldn't exist. And Israel shouldn't exist. And so it looks like God's on the move. And so I'm going to make this rational choice to become a believer. Like, that's good. You're there. That's one way God works. Others... In a complete place of brokenness, they call upon the name of the Lord to pull you out of the muck and mire, and God shows up and does a miracle. The Spirit of God fills you, and you become a new creation instantly. Remember the day that you were baptized? Remember the joy that you felt on that day? How old were you when you were baptized? How old were you when you made that public declaration of faith? If I baptized you, I was full of joy. Chances are you were full of joy too. And when joy wanes, 
when you forget how good God is and how faithful He is and that He even wants to restore you, believer that has been walking with the Lord forever. He even wants to restore you. Here's the key, Psalms 51. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So some of us need to have restored to us the joy of our salvation. We need to be happy that we're saved. We need to be happy and joyful that we're one of those virgins with a full lamb. Like that's a joyful place to be. And it's free. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is a restorative meal. This isn't McDonald's. You eat McDonald's, you feel good for about a second, and then like you're, you're sideways all day long. This meal, which you have to eat on a regular basis, fills you sustains you and restores you because you're not a robot you're a child of God you need to have this meal inside of you to restore you this is the body of Christ which has been broken for you to meet your needs and to restore you back to right relationship with him this body gets you through the suffering times this body gets you through the birth pains of the world when it's fallen apart. This body keeps you in a healthy state of tension, but not in a dysfunctional state of fear. Receive the body of Christ and shed the fear. I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. But when the Orthodox Jews, when they dragged that poor red heifer out and cut its throat and burn its ashes for the cleansing of the temple and the priests, um, they're getting it wrong. That sacrifice will not forgive them of their sins anymore. Only the blood of Christ will forgive them of their sins. This is the only sacrifice that you need. Without the sacrifice of the innocent Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sins. Receive the blood of Christ for your new life and restoration.
was a, a, a declaration from the Lord over you. And I hope you felt the strength in that moment. If I could call the ushers to the front. I forgot to receive the offering. And the church needs to have its finances restored right now. So I can't, can't afford to skip this one, folks. God loves you. He's faithful. He knows that some of you are suffering financially. Just put your faith and trust in Him. The God of hope will fill you with everything that you need. God, I pray that you bless this offering to its fullest extent. God, I pray that you will restore the church back to what it was so that it can continue to be a blessing here in our community and it can continue to be a blessing throughout the world so that our church can bless Tanzania, so that our church can bless Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God, I lift up everyone that is stuck in Jerusalem right now. Uh, Cheryl Zawicki, I'm a prayer request. Cheryl Zawicki has uh, a friend is connected to a group. 16 seniors on a Holy Land tour can't get out. So God, I pray that you make a way and that you release them right now. God, I pray that your spirit will fall upon your people, the Israelites, those that don't know you. And I pray that they will be introduced to their Messiah, the one true King. God, we pray that there will be a protection over the land of Israel. We pray that Jerusalem will be restored. We pray for the Palestinians' salvation and for their hearts to be softened. We pray against this demonic evil spirit that is bent on hate and death. We serve the God of life. We pray that they would find him soon. We pray for your imminent second coming pray that we will be ready and prepared. So now may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy as you continue to put your trust in him. And may your hope overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit this week. God bless you. Go soar with victory today.